Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership Podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership Podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Hey, everyone. Welcome to week two of our three-week college series focused on how you can make the most out of your time in college and set yourself up for success. This week, we're going to be hearing from Jason Clayton, who works with college students to help them find their unique calling in life. Joining me this week to listen to and discuss the interview are my friends and fellow leaders, Andrew Fahrenbacher, Daniel Schwartz, and Michelle Mahalko. Today, I want to start off with this question. What was an opportunity in your life that you skipped out on that you later regretted? Andrew, how about you? So I majored in public relations in college, which was uh, is an awesome degree, but I was also a music minor. I love to perform. I love to sing. And when I was coming to the end of my time in college, I had a choice to either graduate with a PR degree or stay one extra year to complete the music degree. And in the name of practicality and because I had a job lined up, I went ahead and graduated and took a job with my PR degree. And that's been a great job. Definitely been what the Lord wanted me to do. But at the same time, there is a small part of me that wishes that I would have just stayed one extra year just to give myself some more options going forward. Michelle? Yeah, when I look back at the experiences I've had, I guess I most regret that I didn't study abroad ever when I was an undergrad because okay. um, I did love to travel, but it would have been a cool opportunity to do it for school credit. Yeah, and before we move over to Daniel, I will say that that was kind of my mentality in college. I never studied abroad because I was thinking, I, I'm going to miss an entire semester here at college. And I, I really, you know, liked hanging out with my friends and the experience. But the truth is, there's a whole lot of great experiences you can have when you take one semester off, which is, you know, you have eight of them, uh, assuming you do the classic four-year route and not the, the fifth-year extra lap and whatnot. But uh, yeah, there's a lot you can learn from from studying abroad. Daniel? Yeah, so last summer after I graduated college, I had the opportunity to work a uh, summer camp for a summer kind of while I decided what to do and everything. And towards the end of that summer, a full-time staff position opened up with that summer camp. But kind of like Andrew in the name of practicality, I said, this feels like a, a step backwards, you know, living in the middle of nowhere, Alabama. I didn't really see it for what it was, the advantage that it could have been. So I decided, man, I, I really need to get my career started. I really I had this mental list of things that I was supposed to be doing as an adult, you know, getting my life started, quote unquote. But really wish I would have stayed a little bit longer there. Well, the reason I ask this is not just because I want us to kind of rehash our, our regrets and things like that. It's because Jason Clayton offers services to students that are free of charge, very helpful, but most people don't ever take him or other people up on. And part of this episode today is about helping people know the resources they have at college so they can really set themselves up for success in their futures. Jason Clayton is the Dean of Career and Life Calling at Cornerstone University. He is a certified strengths-based educator who has spent over 15 years working at both public and private universities. His focuses have included leadership development, workforce and strategic partnership development, academic advising, and experiential education. 
One of his goals through the jobs he has held is to help people maximize their potential so they can be leaders in accomplishing their own goals and their larger mission. Here is Jason. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for allowing me to be here. I want to start off today by hearing a little bit about your path to your job today. You're in charge of helping students discover their purpose in life. How did you get to that point? Like many people, it it was unintentional at the beginning, but then very intentional as I started to reflect. It's really about listening to my own life and in the experience I had personally. I wrestled with plans right after college those few years. I was an occupational therapist. And I was a first-generation college student that paid my way through college, and I had my plan of what I was going to do, and I wanted to help others in whatever I did, and also wanted to have a secure career. So I chose occupational therapy, but two years out of college after doing that, I had a chance to teach in an adjunct faculty role during a summer at a technical college. And the students I had in class were occupational therapy assistant students, medical assistant students, some of them. And What I started to realize is where I was working and what I was doing and the amount of time I was spending in that and my passions related to all of that to serve well in that capacity was something I really needed to live into further and pay more attention to. My daily job was great as an occupational therapist, but I realized maybe something was amiss At the same time, I was working at at a church just helping out with the youth group, and I really came alive when I was trying to help them understand where they are uh, in middle school, high school years, how unique they are, and plans for their future. So with all that combined, the environment of higher education and the teaching role, and then working with middle school, high school, college-age youth started to have me ask questions, and I talked to a lot of folks They worked in higher education and a mentor at the time, and I investigated a graduate program um, related to higher education. So that's where I ended up. I went to Clemson for higher education uh, administration for graduate school, and my graduate assistantship there began the journey I'm on now with working with undecided exploratory students. So the situation you just described where you're out of college for a couple of years and you're starting to question things, that's a place where a lot of people find themselves. So I know this is an episode for college students, but maybe you could speak for just a second to those who have already graduated. You talked about how a number of factors kind of converge to give you a new direction. Any tips or pieces of advice you can give to people who are out of college, but kind of questioning where they should be going and, and what they should be doing? I would say listen to your life essentially, and have those that know you well speak into that and what they've seen in you and what you're starting to realize more about yourself as you gain more experience. So in my own journey, what I did in that phase of that summer was ask really big questions and trust those that know me well to bounce those questions off of and hear their honest, genuine responses, again, that I trusted. The goal is to to understand who the unique, authentic you is and make intentional plans to begin to live into that. So there was some tension there because I just essentially two years prior paid off a bachelor's degree and I thought that's what I was supposed to do in a career. And I wasn't going to make as much money. I'm not now doing what I do compared to what I would have been doing at this point in my career as an occupational therapist. But there is meaning, there's purpose, and there's no doubt 100% that I'm doing what I'm called to do. And that's my hope for everyone is 
listen to your life and trust others in process and break down the most positive experiences you've had in your life as far back as you can remember. What did you enjoy? What were you good at? Let those be foundations for moving forward. And then if you're unsure of what that could look like in doing other things, garner more experience. Talk with professionals who are doing things that you think might pull those pieces together if you're uncertain of what it's really like. And if you need a solo journey or if you need an, other experiences, get them. Take your one week of vacation at your current job, but be intentional with it and spend some quiet time and go where you need to go or seek out resources to make use of that time. So you're not constantly doing, but you're focused on that, that human being that's truly you. So your job title includes the words career and calling. Do you differentiate between these two words? And if so, how do you separate them? We do try to make a distinct differentiation. Any, any career essentially is what we might think of. It can be an occupation or a profession that really encompasses one's life work, right? The majority of our time in our lives is spent at work. So what does that look like? Oftentimes, many people equate that directly to career but a calling to me is quite different. And for those that have researched it, we try to differentiate that from career and, and seeing that as a sense of purpose or a passion with the work that one's truly meant to do. And an idea of that, what we use here at Cornerstone University is truly stewarding one's unique talents and opportunities one has to contribute to the common good, whatever that looks like as an accountant or as a teacher or you know, it's different for everyone based on the talent, skills, opportunities one has. So truly understanding the difference, um, because anyone can go on and get a career, like my story, occupational therapy, I thought that's what I was supposed to do at 18 to 22 years of age. And that was my plan. But at 24 years of age, that changed. And I'm glad it did. So I'm truly living into my calling versus a career which was occupational therapy. To that end, what is the 30-second pitch that you would give to a current or a future college student as to why they should talk with someone like you at their own college as soon as they can? Yeah, one, I would I would say um, I share this story as I've shared my own. Uh, I never went to the Career Center uh, because I was a first-generation college student. I didn't really understand all the resources at undergraduate institution that could help me. So I never did, and I, I wish I would have early on because it might have helped me learn more about myself. It might have changed my career trajectory and my academic plans and experience during undergraduate years. But really, this generation, for the next 12 years or so, is coming to college, iGen, Gen Z, in general concerned with securing a career that is there. It's, it's longer standing um, because we've lived through the recession and also, we want to make a difference in the lives of others while tapping into their passions and something they believe in. So that's kind of the motivation behind the generation, which I think is great. Career centers like ours can really help with that, help you learn about yourself and the talents and passions one has to create a truly a personalized plan to prepare for one's future. And in all honesty, it's really a service provided that can make all the difference for one's preparation for life. It's a good return on investment. And again, it's, it's there to prepare one for life in general. And that looks different for everyone. What are some of the things that students should be thinking about during their educational careers, especially in college, to prepare them for their lives after college? Keyword would be garnering more experience than what someone thinks they want to do in order to help them truly discern what that may be. How can we be more intentional about what summer jobs we get? 
in trying things out maybe you've never tried that may relate to what you might want to do. Internships, for example, please just don't do one if your college requires internships. Internships help you apply the skills, knowledge, all those things gained at college, but also help you discern, is this right for me or something like it? Um, It's valuable experience to help evaluate what am I to do and why. Job shadowing, informational interviewing, just setting up uh, discussions with professionals that are doing something of interest to you. And then networking with relationship formation, ongoing ways to do that. And and as you do that and have discussions with others doing what you think you might want to do, they'll truly share the realities, the challenges of, of every day and the current skills needed to perform well in that particular discipline or area or profession. So those are things I would say experience and be a relationship conversation with those doing something you'd be interested in doing. So we've all known the college students that have done really well academically, and then once they graduate, they don't really seem to be doing a whole lot with their lives, at least having the success that you would have expected from them. And so I'm wondering, are there some things that keep students who do really well academically or do really well in the college environment, the things that keep them from being successful after college? I think it relates to the previous question, uh, maybe a lack of experience out there in quotation marks. So applying knowledge and performance in the classroom, if, if it's not hands-on applied experience, uh, there can be a gap when it's expected out there of an employer. So making that transition, I would say, is one big thing to help. And trying to do that earlier than later, like we'd said, with internships, maybe getting used to the professional work environment and expectations and the diversity that occurs within. Maybe it's different than what happens on your respective campus. The other thing I'd say is trying to minimize the abrupt changes all at once from graduating as a senior, entering as a young professional into the world. How can one truly start to enter this adulthood phase of life throughout college, like not living on campus maybe all four years? Can you set your own budget and learn what that means monthly to pay the landlord and electric bills and have your own apartment or with roomies and what that means, what that looks like, as well as socially is another factor. How do you adjust to life outside of where 18 to 22-year-olds all studying something are with you on your, in your campus community where it won't be the case after you graduate? Can you get plugged into the local church or a professional organization within your city where you're going to work or something where you're developing community and relationships with others before you graduate. So it it eases that abrupt change upon graduation. You've talked a little bit about the value of work experience, networking, building relationships, and, and other things like that. I'm wondering, when students come to you for advice related to their career, do you find that they're generally asking the right questions? In general, I would say uh, no. Most of the time, due to just limited life experiences, not students aren't really certain where to begin with answering the bigger questions of life, right? Like, who am I and what am I to do and why? And then how do I get there if I have an idea of, of who and what I'm called to be? So, yeah, I think that's one phenomenal way in which services like ours on a college campus can assist the student. And we use a narrative approach in helping students understand their own life thus far and 
starting to make a plan for life ahead. It is more time intensive, but I think it makes all the difference. It's personalized for every single student, and it gives them context for where they're coming from and hearing their story and their own journey, which is powerful, to then craft their story moving forward. So um, that's a quick response to that question. Yeah, I'm wondering a little bit about that narrative approach because the truth is sometimes it's not as easy to get access to some of these services, especially if you're out of college, but maybe even if you're in college. How would someone go about asking the right questions and engaging in that narrative approach that you just talked about? Yeah, one one way I alluded to uh, a little earlier is really looking backwards. We call them success or achievement stories, or uh, it can have different titles for moments in life. But essentially, one way to do it is start to look at moments in life when you just felt like you, you were truly you, authentically yourself, and you were pretty good at what you were doing, whatever that was. And it doesn't mean you you had to win the materialistic trophy and got first place or second place in some competition or, you know, someone else had to give you affirmation that you did a great job and verbalized it. But it's something within. It can come from within and say, as I look back, as I reflect upon, and it's a very deep, deep question and exercise to do this over our lives. But can we all find moments in life, because we've all had them, where we're just excited about who we got to be and the impact it had to contribute to the common good in the process. You know, it looks different for every single person, but the key is once we find those moments, starting to deconstruct those moments, what talents, strengths, values aligned with those moments, all the things that career tests, you know, these the ones you would think of might measure, it starts to put it at a personal level and a personal context for the student to say, how do I then reconstruct future experiences or college majors that I might be interested in studying or potential professions that are out there right now that might change in, in 10 years, but right now we know this exists and, and these would align with, with who I am and what I can do or what I'm interested in learning how to do. So that's the goal, looking backwards to then make sense of in the moment to plan forward. You are certified in strengths-based coaching and leadership training. What value does it allow you or enable you to give to the students that you work with? Yeah, I, I believe it's it's crucial in anyone's life, especially college students' lives, um, in making decisions on preparing for the future and, and how to do so in these, these critical years of traditional undergraduate, 18 to 24 years of age. But I, I think it provides – a strengths-based approach provides – a foundation for what one is naturally good at. We call it talents. Uh, it's based in, in strengths-based philosophy, uh, historically in positive psychology is where it's grounded. And in human nature in general, we all enjoy and are affirmed by what we've done well. And research has shown that we're also more effective and efficient if we lean into our strengths or talents, which we if we intentionally develop those into strengths and use those regularly, they, they, they do become strengths and positively make impact on our communities or organizations of which we're a part. So the idea is it, it matters. You're going to make a, more of a positive, effective impact in a faster way if we lean into and pay attention to our talents, which develop into strengths, compared to constantly trying to improve upon our weaknesses. 
it also helps us give a lens to which we can understand ourselves and others around us. Uh, none of us are good at everything. That's not how it works. And so how do we work with coworkers or join a community and we start to understand how we can positively contribute um, and then identify others in the way in which they can make their positive contributions so we all reach the bigger, larger goal together, again, in the most effective, efficient way. And a lot of consultations, facilitation of work with nonprofit, for-profit professionals and college students on a daily basis here on campus is proven time and time again that it, it helps. It helps. And it's all about living into one's authentic self and being more effective, efficient in the process. So part of being a good leader is being able to look ahead into the future and to see what needs to happen before it actually needs to happen. What are some skills or tools that college students could begin working on now that a lot of professionals tend to lack when they get out into the workforce? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the biggest one that would stand out right now, uh, Strata Institute for the Future of Work, essentially has done a lot of research. It just came out this past winter, but we are, we are in a phase in the economy and the workforce where some futurists are saying up to 80% of jobs in the next 10 years won't exist. They, they won't exist as they do today. So the idea is that all of us, including today's student and students to come in college, need to be lifelong learners and more of a, a generalist. And what's exciting about this iGen generation, this current generation of student, and for the next 12 years or so, is that they get motivated by hands-on learning experiences. How does what I'm learning here in the classroom or on campus relate to real-world problem solving? What I'll experience in my career or the real world. And so I believe we as college campuses need to develop curriculum and co-curricular experiences that reflect that because that's one, what they're demanding, what they're motivated by. But two, I believe that is our future to be relevant in college preparation of our students for what is and lies ahead, all of us, whether we're 80 or we're 18, need to become generalists and making connections with the fast-paced change that's occurring in the world. And, and that means, yes, we can study a couple things, but I don't believe any longer should we be deep down experts on, on one or two certain things. Can we lean into each other on different things and put pieces together while maybe not at depth as much any longer, but more at breadth of, of what we're studying and uh, what we bring to the table as part of a team. Because we'll, we'll constantly, with more frequency, have to learn the hard skills of the things that are coming. So let's say someone just graduated from college in May. They're listening to this right now, and they didn't take advantage of what they had access to in college. Are there places where current professionals can find this access to career coaching and guidance that college students have? A few places do come to mind. I uh, have a few colleagues that have gotten to know over the uh, recent years that really respect, and, and they use a narrative approach. Like we said, I, I firmly believe Listening to one's life story is the way to really get at the heart and soul of the uniqueness of, of who each person is and what that means and, and truly living out a calling. So there are things called life plan facilitators, and those people are, are trained by the Patterson Center. Uh, that's been around for years. 
There are facilitators of MCOR, essentially motivational core is what that stands for. So MCOR. Maybe a, a few things to try this approach first um, and more affordable is trying it on our own and inviting others, like I said, that know us well into the process are a few books that integrate these exercises within. And one of them for the traditional college-age student or um, high school student that, that is looking at college or soon to be in college is Finding Your Way by Dan, Dan Webster and Randy Gravitt. They are both um, Patterson Center trained leadership and life development facilitators. Uh, they also have one for early career, mid-career really folks called Unstuck, and that's just came out recently. So Finding Your Way, Unstuck, Life Path, MCOR facilitators are a couple examples of, of highly trained, equipped people that can help you look at your own life, make sense of, and then move forward and in, in living into who you're called to be. So there you have it. You have access to coaching and career guidance after college if you didn't take advantage of it in college. But if you are in college, you're in a great place because you have access to this stuff as part of your educational experience. So take advantage of it if at all possible. Jason, thank you so much for sharing today. Before we finish, I have a few final questions that are meant to inspire us toward better leadership. So you ready for these? I'm ready. Thanks. What is some lesson saying or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? I think of a phrase from a childhood mentor that has since passed on. He'd said when I was young, there will always be more work to do at the end of the day than you can accomplish. And for leaders, that is so true. So uh, being okay with that and focusing on the human being, uh, there's always going to be something to do. But focusing on the human being uh, is of uber importance. That's a great word. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? Visionary, observant, and caring. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? What might I be doing today or did I do today that reflects who I hope to become? What book would you recommend to leaders? This one focuses a little bit more on, again, the, the who I'm becoming as opposed to what I've done and what people think may think in terms of production, but it's Road to Character by David Brooks. It's been out for about three and a half, four years now, but Road to Character, David Brooks, he speaks of eulogy virtues versus resume virtues. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? My little girl has a t-shirt and says, make a difference today. So what difference? Asking the question, what difference can I make today with what I have available? Well, that leads us into our final question, which relates to your answer to some degree. We have this arbitrary but insightful question. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? I would say why, because in answering that question, it might lead us to some answers to say, uh, what can I do with uh, why not or why not this way? Well, Jason, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. Do you have any final thoughts to leave us with? Yeah, friends, I'd, I'd just say thanks for the time. And I've learned a lot from the people around me, and I'm continuing to learn every day if I intentionally pay attention and seek out help and listen to each other's stories. So be intentional with who you are and how you live, and may we make the common good what it can be together in a complex world. So. Thanks, Josh, for putting this all together. Absolutely. Jason, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. So after Jason and I finished the interview, we were talking a little bit, 
and he realized that he had a little bit more that he wanted to say about the benefit of taking advantage of the services that Jason and others like him offer while students are still in college. So take a listen to this. I would just one last thing when yeah. to share with you. You asked a great question right in the middle of, hey, if you missed out as a college student on all these things, this whole narrative, looking at your life thing, it's expensive to do the MCOR and the life plan facilitate. It's really expensive because to get help later, it costs money <laughs> a lot. I hope you found today's interview valuable. We'll be back on Friday to discuss the interview and share some of our key takeaways with you. If you want to share your own thoughts on what you heard today or leave other feedback for the show, email us at community at lifeasleadership.com. And if you think today's show could be helpful to someone else who cares about becoming a better leader, go ahead and share it with them. Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.